We started this series called Back to Normal, right? And this is our key verse. So why don't we start off this way? Let's read this verse out loud together. Every week we're going to be reading this verse. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It's on the screen and in your notes. Ready, go. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Let me hear everybody say, reach forward. Reach forward. Reach forward. That's what we want to do. Now listen, this week I took a poll on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. I was just inviting a lot of my friends, uh, asking them um, a question. Some of you participated in that poll, and I wanted to share with you guys the findings. Now the question that I asked on this poll was, what spiritual discipline was impacted the most the past 13 months. And on the poll, I gave a couple options. The options were prayer, Bible reading, church or community. They are kind of intertwined and or all the above. So those were the options that I put on this poll. And, uh, and obviously, it, it was no surprise to me that people were impacted in at least one of these areas. I had a pretty good idea that Obviously, we've all been impacted because I know I have been impacted as well spiritually these past 13 months with the pandemic and everything going on. And so, of course, I had an idea and that they would, everybody would be impacted in at least. But as you guys can see from the results of the poll, the majority of the votes went to all the above, which meant that they were in, their spiritual lives were impacted all in community, church, prayer, and scripture reading as well. So I think this is interesting for me because I think that we need to go over the new rules for spiritual engagement because every single one of us have been impacted in the past 13 months. Uh, by the way, spiritual engagement, what do I mean by that? I'm talking about what we should do in order to grow in our spiritual disciplines, in prayer, in scripture reading, in gathering, in church, in community. What does it look like and how do we go over these new rules? Now, I'm going to give you guys uh, a little spoiler here and I'm going to say that it's actually nothing new. I'm not going to teach you anything new today, but it's maybe we have to go back to what's old, actually, to make this work in our lives. But guess what? I know this is true of you because this is true of me, and many of us have, been, have allowed the discouragement of the past 13 months to stop us growing in these areas. And so because we've been so impacted in these different areas of our spiritual lives, it might just be new for you. So here's what it is. If you have your message notes, you can take out your message notes and you can jot this down. Number one is this. We have to pray hard. We have to pray hard. Hey, how, how hard has your prayer life been rocked in the past 13 months? You know, I thought it was really cute when the stay-at-home order happened. You guys remember that last year? When that happened, I just remember seeing like all these posts and Instagram posts and Facebook posts of everybody that said, oh man, awesome. I got the stay at home order. I got to work at home. I got to go to school from home. So guess what, man? I'm excited because I'm going to have more time with Jesus. Praise God. Right? So many people were so excited, right? When that happened, man, you, man, maybe that was you. You got a new journal, right? You, oh man, let me prime this, this new journal to come and got a pen, right? A fancy pen and you brewed yourself coffee the first day of the shutdown and you were like, hold on, let me, let me take a picture of this. Uh, you put the coffee and you put your Bible and you took a picture, amen, like the shutdown gave me more time with Jesus, praise God. I'm going to work on my walk with Christ. But then what happened? That lasted a whole few days, right? And then the distractions of life 
took over. But you know, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus here, what's core to what we believe is that we have direct access to God, that we can communicate to God, and that He cares for us, and that He wants to listen to us. You know, I wonder how many of us felt sad and felt depressed and felt anxious and stressed out and hurt and fearful of all the things that were going on. I wonder how many of us felt all those things and then brought those emotions to God through prayer. You know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. Check this out. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through what, church? Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't worry about anything. It's like the author of Philippians, Paul here, is telling us, man, you're going to have cares, you're going to have worries, you're going to be stressed out, you're going to have hardships, you're going to be fearful. But man, with all that stuff, bring it before God in prayer. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that you have access to this power through prayer. But so often we look at this verse and we read it this way. This is the way we we read it. Worry about everything. And in everything, present your request on Twitter. Right? That's the way we read it. Share your request on your Facebook timeline. Share all your hardships in your story. That's the way we interpret that verse. And unfortunately, I think many of us have been defeated Because we haven't been boldly approaching God through prayer. Look at what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says. In fact, why don't you guys read this verse out loud with me, okay? It's on on the screen and in your notes. Ready? Go. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of of need. Guys, you can boldly approach the throne of grace. You can approach the, 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 the throne of God through Jesus is made available to us and we can present to him. And when we do that and when we cry out to him and when we approach him through prayer, the Bible says that we will find grace and that he will help us in a time of need. And you need to understand that Part of the new rules for spiritual engagement is praying hard. And and you want to hear my pastor's heart for you? This is my heart for each of us here. I long for the day when we grow so desperate that we actually pray meaningful, heartfelt prayers. I long for the day when we would be a people that prayed like it mattered. That we prayed like God was actually listening. Because listen, church, He is. He's listening. And so I long for the day when we really pray, like we really cried out to God. We really casted our cares before Him, like it actually mattered, because it does. Here's the second thing, the new rules for spiritual engagement. We need to read and apply Scripture. We need to read and apply Scripture. Okay, like, our, like the initial example on prayer that I mentioned to you guys, perhaps, you know, that included daily scripture reading, right? In your pandemic plans. You're like, great. 
You know, I don't know how long this shutdown is going to be, but man, with all the time on my hands, I should be able to read the whole Bible by, uh, by Easter, right? Like no problem, right? Because we're shut down, we're at home, right? So it shouldn't be no big deal, right? Some of you guys were so excited during the shutdown. You were like, man, I'm going to read like the book of Leviticus. I'm going to do a deep dive, right? And it's like the hardest book of the Bible. But then what happened? Distractions, got bored, right? You sought out entertainment over time in God's word. But again, if you're a follower of Jesus, right? If prayer is talking with God, reading God's word is God talking with us. You see, because as Christians, once again, what's core to the belief of a follower of Jesus, of Christians, is that the Bible holds the very words of God communicated to us, communicated with us. In the word of God, in the scriptures, it reveals his heart and it reveals his plan of redemption for all of humanity. Plus, beyond all that, his word offers, uh, offers us hopeless, ho- hope when we're hopeless. It offers us comfort in our calamity and in our anxiety. It gives us strength in our weakness. It gives us faith in our desperation. That's what we find in God's word. Look at what Psalm 119, 105 says. Why don't you read this one? This is a short one. Read this one out loud with me. Ready? Go. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You guys track with the picture, the word picture that the psalmist is painting here. He's saying that God's word is like a light that illuminates our path. And if you track with the example that the psalmist is saying, right, he's talking about a lamp and a lamp is not a floodlight, right? A floodlight like is really bright and it shows a lot of light. But he says the word is like a lamp. You see, a lamp illuminates just enough to push away a little bit of darkness and to show you the next few steps. For some of you, your world is cloudy. There's a lot of confusion. You don't know what your next step is. You know, could it be because your path is not lit by God's word? Could it be because you're not allowing the illumination of God's word to light your path? You're just not spending time in God's word. You're not allowing God to speak to you and give you clarity and give you wisdom and give you encouragement. Now, for some of us, the biggest issue is not reading. Like you pick it up every morning, you read it, you read the memory verse, you got scripture memorized. For some of us, the biggest problem is not reading but doing. Right? In other words, we might be really great at picking up the Bible and reading the verse, doing our devotional, but then we ignore all the biblical truths that we know and we don't apply them to our lives. You know, you know that God's word calls you to forgive, but you continue to live in bitterness. You know that God's word calls us to live in faith and to have faith and trust, but we live with our own might and our own ability. You know, God's word calls us to love and to live selfless, but you live selfish with your time, money, and resources, and you're self-absorbed. So you know the truth of God's word, but it doesn't do anything to your life. And that's why we must read and apply God's word to our lives. This verse, I think it's on the screen. I'm not sure, Junior, this James 1.22. I know I forgot to put it in your notes and I apologize for that. James 1.22 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word. So have you put aside the very words of God? Have you allowed the past 13 months 
to disturb the time that you spend in God's Word? Or are you simply reading but not applying the truth of Scripture to your life? I wonder, I wonder what might happen to us if we became dedicated to making this a priority in our lives. I wonder what changes we might experience. Here's number three. The new rules for spiritual engagement. Number three is to create and cultivate community. Create and cultivate community. Now, it's interesting that in, in that poll that I showed you guys early, right? All the above was the most. But do you guys know what the second most was? This right here. Church and community. And of course, this is no surprise because we've been living increasingly socially isolated lives. And because of that, we've lost community, the, the very community that we were designed to live within. You see, the problem is that as human beings, we were never designed to live in isolation. We were never designed to live alone. We were made for community. Listen, when God made you, when he designed you, he interwove into your personality an intrinsic need for community. Listen, I don't care if you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert, whether you're a bookworm or an adrenaline junkie, right? It doesn't matter. We all have a need for community. And this is one of the greatest hits that's, been, that's happened to us in the past 13 months. Think about this. Think about all the social institutions that we usually go and visit and enjoy community. And think about it, right? They've all been closed and only recently are beginning to open at a limited capacity, right? Gyms, right? For those of you that like to work out and stuff, that was a place to go meet friends and work out together and spend time and build community and gyms. Coffee shops, my personal favorite to go and do some work and connect with people and have meetings and have face-to-face. -face. And I mean, we had life groups and coffee shops going on and everything. Libraries are closed. I still don't know of any libraries that are open for you to sit down and, and meet up and have conversations. Churches, of course. Churches have been closed. Many are still closed. Some are only open at a limited capacity. Schools, for those of you that study, right, that was a major source of community and friendship and conversation. And all that has been ripped away from us. We've been living socially isolated. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 talks about this, talks about our need for community and relationship. It says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift them up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. What, what is the author of Ecclesiastes communicating here? He's saying like, it's, man, we need that community. We need friendship. We need relationship. And the author's making an argument for companionship and for community. And what he's essentially saying is that we're better together. We're better together. You see, because within community, there's accountability. Within community, there's encouragement. There's help in a time of need. And there's protection. Right? This is what the author is saying. Now, no one solution, there's no one solution to this need for community. One, well, one rather, one solution for this need is the local church. That's what the church provides. And that's why it's so important that we make a priority gathering together on, on Sundays to be able to come together, to, to worship together, because it's so important. Listen, you guys are in New York City and you know this. 
We live in a fast-paced, extremely busy city. And without extreme intentionality around church community, it won't happen. Unless you build intentionally into your schedule, into your time, it just won't happen. Another opportunity that we recently created for that was Life Group. We had, a, we had a, a spring semester of life groups just finished wrapping up. And of course, it wasn't in person like we would have loved for it to be, but it was online. And again, if that's not a priority in your life, if you don't make it a priority, it's not going to happen on its own. You're not going to stumble into life group. You're not going to accidentally walk into church on a Sunday. You have to schedule it. You have to make it a priority. You have to put it into your life. And that's why I intentionally wrote in today's notes that you need to create and cultivate community because it's not going to magically happen and it's not going to magically happen to you. You need to create it. You need to cultivate it. So here's a couple of questions for you to think about today. Who has God placed around you? Because the people that God has placed around you are the people that God has placed into your life to do life with. You see, part of the core to Christianity is God's sovereignty. And if this is the community of people that he's placed around you, then this is who he's called you to do life with. See, but some of us are too picky. Well, God, I don't like the people you brought around me. I don't want to do life with them people. Well, listen, we need to be people that trust God's sovereignty. And if these, this is who he's surrounded and put into your life, then this is who he's called to be into your life to do life with and to build community with. You know, I recently heard a sermon of a, a large church in the neighborhood. I'm not going to say any names or anything, but he's a good friend of mine. And I was listening to his, his sermon and he was, compl- he was getting complaints from people in his church. This is a big church, okay? A lot of people. And, uh, and they were shut down for the majority. They just recently started doing some uh, in person, but they're so big that it's really difficult. And he was getting complaints, phone calls, text messages, you know, social media posts. And they were saying, they were telling him, man, the church is not doing enough for me. The church isn't helping me. You're not providing what I need. You're not giving me the community that I need. And you know what he said in his sermon, his response? I loved it. His response was, what are you talking about? You see, some of you guys are confused and you're thinking that the church is an organization or that the church is a building. In his sermon, he said, the church is a people. You are the church. So you're complaining about yourself. You're complaining about yourself. You know, and it's so important that we create and cultivate this community because it's not going to accidentally happen. And so it's your responsibility. We are the church. The people are the church. So it's up to you to make the phone call, send the text message, or set up the coffee date. It's up to you. But I don't like the people around me, Danny. Well, I mean, tough cookies, man. This is, these are the people that God brought into your life. So you have to do life with these people if you trust in God's sovereignty. Right? Here's the last thing. Number four. We need to become a self-feeder. We have to become self-feeding people. And perhaps this might be the biggest takeaway for all of us today. Because if there's one thing that the pandemic showed us, it was our dependence on one single event or on one organization to provide all the spiritual care for us, right? Like many of us, we, we're too dependent on a Sunday service to provide for us. And so what happens when that's stripped away? What happened when the Sunday service is stripped away? 
But we enter the downward spiral that we've been trying to climb up out of ever since, right? Because we were too dependent on what was going on on a Sunday. Sunday was the only thing that gave us all the spiritual food and, and the nourishment that we need. And we weren't self-feeding. We weren't praying. We weren't, you, you, the individual wasn't praying or reading the Bible or seeking our community. And listen, you don't do this anywhere else, right? Like those of you that are gym buffs, right? You like to work out and you like to eat good. You, you don't go to the gym and hire a personal trainer. You're getting ripped, like you're working on the muscles, right? You're lifting weights. You're getting swole. And then when you go home, 95% of your diet is Twinkies and Ho-Hos, right? It doesn't work that way. You don't do that. You don't work out and, and hire a, a personal trainer and then your, your diet is trash, right? Or, or what about you don't go to the doctor, you speak to a medical professional and the doctor tells you, man, we did your blood work. I checked out your blood pressure and listen, your blood pressure is kind of high. Your cholesterol is high. So here's what I need you to do. The doctor's telling you, you need to go on a regimen. You need to go on a diet. You need to put in a little bit of steps. Right? You, you don't go to the doctor, get that advice, and then go home and eat like an entire pot of rice with gallons of salt right, and like a 12-egg omelet, right? You don't do that, right? You take care of yourself. Oh, man, my, my blood pressure is high, my cholesterol is high, I got the, you know, my sugar. Let me listen to the doctor. Let me listen to my personal trainer, and let me apply the truths in how I live my life. Now, there's the help that a trainer, a doctor can provide but then you need to take the necessary steps to apply what they teach you. And guys, it's the same thing with our spiritual lives. But unfortunately, many of us have taken a huge hit this past year because we simply weren't self-feeding. We became too dependent on getting the majority of our spiritual diet spoon-fed to us. The author of Hebrews spoke very strongly about this. If you think I'm being strong, look at what the author of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. He says, Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. And then look what he said. You need some milk, not solid food. Right? You need some milk. Now, I don't know what you guys think, but when I read this, I hear the frustration of the author here. It's like he's saying, man, guys, you, you, at this point, you're supposed to be teaching others, man. You're, you're supposed to be discipling others. You're supposed to be sharing your faith and, and growing in your walk and discipling people and walking with people. Man, but I still got to spoon feed you the basics. I still got to give you baby food. You know, for those of you with kids, you, you know this, right? Like if you have kids or maybe like a little nephew or whatever, when they're two years old and you put the little bib on and they sit on their high chair and you give them oatmeal and you, you pick it up and you, and you make an airplane and you put it in their mouth and then they spit it out. Like, oh, look how cute they are. They're spitting all over the place. So cute. And you just pick it up and you keep feeding them. It's cute when they're two. But when they're 13 and you got to do that to them. All right, here's the airplane. Dude, you, you got a beard and hair on your legs. Like, you, like you, could, you could feed yourself. I don't have to spoon feed you, right? Like, you can take care of that yourself. It's not cute anymore. So the question that we need to wrestle with today is, are you a self-feeder? What does that mean? That means, are you praying hard? Are you reading and applying scripture? Are you creating and cultivating community? Or are you still trying to be spoon-fed? And then when you don't like what you're being spoon-fed, oh, well, I guess it's time for me to find a new pastor. 
Or it's time for me to find a new church because I don't like what they're spoon feeding me here. Right? And that's the attitude that we have instead of being self-feeders. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite um, Hunter to come up here and we're going to wrap up our time uh, today and before we partake in, in communion together. But what are these new rules? What are the new rules for spiritual engagement? We need to pray hard. Because when you pray, you have access to the throne of God through Jesus. We, I mean, we need to read and apply the word of God because if prayer is speaking to God, God's word is his communication to us. And we have access to encouragement, hope, and faith, and strength. What are the new rules for spiritual engagement? We need to create and cultivate community because we were never meant to do life alone. And it's not going to happen by itself. You need to create it and cultivate it. And we need to become self-feeders. You need to take ownership and responsibility over your faith. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, first of all, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so, you have a place here. If you're on the fence, if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm just excited you're here. You're in the right place and you're welcome here. Our doors are open to you. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to understand that when we pray, the person we're praying to is Jesus. And we cast our cares before him. And like Hunter mentioned earlier in the worship, he understands our pain. He experienced pain and he relates to us on a personal level. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I need you to understand that when we read the scriptures, we read the very words of Jesus. And the entire narrative of the Bible is God's redemptive plan of mankind through Jesus. And when we cultivate community, I need you to understand that we follow the perfect example of Jesus, who models in the, within the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect community. And even during his earthly ministry, when he walked the earth, he modeled for us doing life within community. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, when we talk about self-feeding, we self-feed towards what end? Well, we self-feed to draw closer to Jesus and to be more like Jesus. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus today, then what you need is Jesus. You need to accept the forgiveness and the eternal life that is made available to each and every single one of us through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And it's available for you today. And all you need to do to participate in God's salvation through Christ is to put your faith in Him. That's it. In a moment, I'm going to invite you guys to partake in communion. And uh, if this is your first time here and, you, and you're a follower of Jesus, the way we do it is in the back, on the table, all the way in the back, there's some individual communion cups at your leisure uh, during the song. Go grab it, return to your seat, and at your own pace, you can participate in communion. When we participate in communion, we remember the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin, the body of Jesus that was broken on our behalf. And we could take a time to reflect, remember, and repent of any sin. And during that time, perhaps you want to think about, man, which of these areas in my life have I been lacking? And what area in these lives do I need to grow in? And just spend time with Jesus in prayer about it. I'm going to invite you guys to pray with me. God, oh man, the past 13 months have been extremely difficult and our spiritual lives have been rocked, God. 
And so I just pray that your Holy Spirit might empower us to pray harder than ever before. And when we pray, God, I pray that we would mean it. That we would pray like someone was listening because you are. And God, I pray that you would give us strength, hope, and encouragement when we crack open the pages of your word. That you would give us that strength and that hope. God, thank you for the people in this room, the people that you've put around us, that you've you placed around us, you sovereignly placed into our lives. So God, I pray that you would help us create and cultivate community. God, I pray you would help us become self-feeders, God. Help us mature and grow us for your glory and in your namesake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.